back. The half court press is back. It's back. Ish. Well, we, no, we're, for, we're, we're, we're back, back for now. Well, for now. That's that's <laughs> what you were saying. Yeah. I mean, technically, Husker football starts tomorrow. Tomorrow. We're recording yeah. this on a Wednesday, but we wanted to get in the studio, talk some hoops because, yep. t- I mean, it is sort of basketball season for both of the teams yeah, that we that's cover. True. I mean, like, I've gone to practice. It feels real. Yeah. They're going to be games. They don't count. They're exhibition games, mm-hmm. but both teams, Creighton and Nebraska, are in action next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nebraska going to Italy, Creighton going to. Australia, so we do have some stuff to talk about, and plus we haven't we haven't talked in we haven't talked in for in a while in a since like time. CWS. <laughs> no, it's it's been it's been a while. What's going on, what's going on with you? Everything good? Oh, yeah, everything's all right. all right. Are you are you back after your? When I come back from vacation, it usually takes me like two or three days to yeah, remember been, how to write. I feel and... like it's been a whole month for me because <laughs> like, I've been on a week here, a weekend What'd there, you do? a couple days. Just travel. Yeah. Yeah. Just go to different cities. Toronto. Hit up Toronto. Oh, yeah. Post Kauai. They still had uh, a lot of Kauai love. Restaurants with little stickers on their windows that says Kauai eats for free. Really? Yeah. There was a banner that said, like, we love Kauai, keep stay or something. Did you get so like a 50% then... off Kauai jersey? No. Oh. Yeah. I know. That would have been great. I know. I was on the lookout, though. I was looking for that. I was looking for like a We the North short shirt. Yeah. You know, I thought that that would be kind of cool, but. Nothing. Um, I mean,. The thing is, is like this. Is, I was there a couple of days after he it was announced. That, actually, I was in the airport, and uh, it was the day that that the news came out that he was going to Clippers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and people were like, uh, they were talking. You know, you could hear him yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. like. And one of the dudes hadn't found out yet. Uh, he was like, "I just hope he's not going to the Lakers, man. I hope he's not going to the Lakers." And I was like, "Well, yeah, but he's not staying with your Still team." Relying, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, um, but. So I think they they were they're still in that there's a euphoria from yeah the no title they they're, they're kind of like the the so the Royals are extremely bad right now but Royals fans generally don't care they I mean they won the World Series a couple years ago so like they're fine still good with so that. like Toronto's like close down the part like I don't care like to kill the franchise I don't care that's fine right. we got the championship now like that was really fun yep 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 I kind of have that I was it was something what I I feel like would happen at Creighton if Creighton made the Sweet Sixteen. Um, yeah. Or made a deep run in the NCAA tournament. If Nebraska, if Nebraska wins an NCAA tournament game, it's like, all right, all right, cool. we're good. Yeah, <laughs> give me a couple more years. What What do you need? No, yeah. we're we're fine here. Yeah. Um. All right. So you attended a Nebraska practice recently. I've been to some Creighton practices. Yeah. Let's start there. Um. Yeah. You want to start with the Jays? Yeah. Let's, well. Yeah. Let's just start with I, just in general, like what we've what we've seen at practice, what mm. we like. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you seen? Well, I've seen. A lot of teaching. I mean, it's interesting because Creighton brings back six of its top seven scorers mm-hmm. from a year ago. Now, two of those guys are sidelined. Um, Jacob Epperson's out. Marcus Zagorowski's out. Both of those guys had injuries. They'll be back. They're not going to play in Australia, but they'll be back by the time the season starts. So there's five newcomers, mm-hmm. and they're mixing those guys in, and they're, they basically started from square one in terms of um, teaching ball screen defense and teaching – uh, defensive principles in terms of help rotation, double team, how to attack a zone, mm-hmm. um, basic things of how they want to attack in their transition offense, like all these little things that um, they typically would introduce the first or second or third or fourth practice mm-hmm. in September. So they're kind of getting a jump start on that, which is interesting. It's also interesting to see some of the veterans um, who I watched a year ago or two years ago struggle with those things, mm-hmm. now understanding it and trying to help some of the new faces um it's so adjust. interesting to hear you say that because 
uh, Fred Hoiberg's like teaching kids how to shoot a basketball. I mean, they're not they're not like all right, our zone offense. This is what we want to do. It's like, hey, let's go into a shell drill and like learn how to block out together. Mm. Like just like very ba- like they're to the point where when they pass the ball. They are still required to yell out the person's name that they're passing to, like a first grade practice, like <laughs> yeah. you know, John. Yeah. So like it's funny because that's that this is where these two programs are at, where like Creighton is kind of, you know, they're moving forward. Right. They're 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 base. It's like Creighton is starting in in you know Coach Max mind they are starting from square one in terms of we are teaching the basics, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not. You know, I remember uh, you remember Mike Riley took over for football and uh, he had to teach the team how to huddle like they had they had like diagram it on the on the screen of like oh this is how you huddle because they didn't huddle under Tim yeah that's true yeah so they had to like they had to talk through a huddle yeah kind of feels like that's what Fred Hoiberg's like teaching these guys well John Wooden John Wooden used to start every first practice with here's how you put on your shoes and socks Mm. Like they, that's where they right. began, which is like genius. Yeah. I don't think Fred really did that. I think he trusts that they can, they can get their stuff tie on. their shoes and yeah, and so, get, get themselves suited up. So when do they go to Australia? Kind of give me a right. So they're leaving th- Thursday tomorrow. Oh okay. They're leaving Thursday and then uh, they're playing three games in Australia. And it's so here's the deal that's kind of weird about it for Creighton. Um, Jacob Everson's out. Right. Marcus Zagorowski's out. Uh, Kelvin Jones, who's a grad transfer big man that the Jays added over the summer from Idaho State, pretty good actually. Like pretty, like, I think he's gonna fit in and find a role from just what you've seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got he's got ability to rebound and he can finish around the rim and he can block some shots. He's mm-hmm. agile enough. He's got a lot to learn defensively in terms of their system and where to be. But you know, assuming Jacob Epperson's healthy at the start of the year, they have Christian Bishop who's put in a lot of work and who's bigger and stronger. Um, and more comfortable and confident. Like you, you pair a Kelvin Jones with those two guys, and he, you know, you don't have to lean on him for ten, more than ten or fifteen minutes in a, in one single game. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good sign. But Kelvin Jones broke a finger in mm. practice, so he's out for Australia. So essentially, now the Jays are down to, um, well, they they've lost three potential rotation players, or they're going to be down three potential rotation players, and then Tyshawn Alexander. Who is the Jays? Obviously, leading potential leading scorer, best player, go-to guy is playing with a Big East All-Star team in the Pan Am game. Mm. Pan Am game. So the U the U USA Basketball decided instead of like picking and choosing different players to form a team for the Pan American Games, it went to uh, the Big East Conference. And really, said, I didn't know that. Yeah, said hey, f- give me your be- give me your All Stars. Hmm. So Tyshawn is is on that team with eleven other guys, and they're competing right now as we speak in the Pan Am game. So he's he's in Peru and he will join Creighton's team in Australia eventually, but you know, he's playing he played they played the, the action started today on Wednesday and they play Thursday and Friday. If they advance out of the pool play, they'll play on Saturday and Sunday. So there's a potential for playing five games in five days. Mm-hmm. And that's an all star team, you know, so his workload's not gonna be maybe we're talking like twenty minutes a game here. But the idea that he's going to be playing a ton, then traveling across yeah. the world essentially to go rejoin the team—I don't think he's going to see a lot of minutes in Australia. He's for sure going to miss the first game. When you fly from Peru, do you think you go east or west? Well, you actually—he said he's going back up to LA. Oh, that's and then sucks. over to to Sydney. Right? Oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. So, pretty awful yeah. travel situation. <laughs> that's right? Too bad. So, you're, that's that's four guys: Tyson Alexander, right. Limited. 
Marcus Segurowski, Jacob Everson, Kelvin Jones all out. Yeah. Um, now the good news for the Jays is like everybody who go, they can play. They they have a transfer Antoine Jones who came in from Memphis who um, is a really good athlete, and um, I'm eager to see what he can do after he sits out a year. But he can play in this event, and uh, and so yeah, they they it's funny after practice, Greg McDermott's you know they they get done with their their final set of drill work or whatever, and and his his standard line is always. They have two courts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, guards over here, shoot. Bigs over there, shoot. Mm-hmm. Guards on this court, bigs on this court. But after practice the last couple of days, he's guards on this court, big. We don't have any bigs. <laughs> guards are, all, guards yeah. are here. You know, like that kind of, they, I mean, Christian Bishop's there, and, and they got a walk-on, a 6'8 walk-on, Nick Seal, who's uh, on the roster too. But they kind of operate, they can operate like guards. So at the end of practice the last couple of days, they've basically just had a bunch of Guards, guards on the shoot, same, yeah, on the same side, shooting, uh, doing their shooting drills for the last ten minutes or so of practice. So, um, we're gonna see some five guard lineups from the Jays. Um, Heck yeah, some newer new age basketball yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from the Jays in Australia. So it's it'll be int- it'll, it'll be Wait, good for the you- players to get action in games, but it's gonna be tough to gauge what it means. Yeah, and so I was gonna talk about this too because Nebraska's in a similar situation where they're gonna have. They're going to have most everybody there, but they're not going to be able to necessarily play everybody. But don't you see, don't you think in some way, even with them not having, even with Creighton not having everybody there, that it's still crazy beneficial? Because you yeah. just get these guys that, I don't know, I just feel like in, in some ways it's a, it's a good thing when you get all these bench guys and walk-ons to play with your starters and just kind of gel and mesh and like it's just good practice. Right. Don't, don't you think? I actually think... I mean, it now watching these guys play, it's obviously extremely beneficial for the new guys because they're seriously it day one of practice in July looked exactly like day one of practice in Did September. It, mm-hmm. it resembled, it, I mean, the things they're talking about, those first few practices, they all felt the same. Um, so for those guys, like they when they go back and they you know they can kind of reset and hey, decompress and hey, what did I learn? during July, like they'll be able to recall that pretty well in September. But I actually think that um, some of the veterans are really going to benefit from it too. I mean, a guy like Mitch Ballack, we talked about Tyshawn Alexander not playing as much during, I mean, he hasn't practiced the last five days with the team because he's been Hmm. training with this USA basketball thing and and in Peru, like Mitch Ballack has now sort of has the ball in his hands more often. He's getting to tinker and experiment a little bit more with attacking off the dribble and making plays for others, getting to the rim. I mean, he, we all know he can shoot. He knows he can shoot, and, and they're really confident in his ability to do that. But um, obviously you want to have more as, a multifaceted, uh, more versatile pieces to your game. And for the Jays to kind of take that next step, they're going to need – more they're going to need to lean on more guys than just Tyshawn Alexander right. and so uh, it's a perfect it's a perfect opportunity for like all right Tyshawn's fouled out there's 2 minutes left we're playing at Villanova Mitch we need Mitch, you to yeah, we right. need you to do what you did in Australia right. you know what I mean like yeah. you're getting early runs at these things that these scenarios that are hard to kind of come up with anyway and, and it's interesting to see him sort of try things you know like he tried to he went down the lane tried to punch on somebody oh really you know he's 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 figuring out ways to uh, knife through the defenders and finish in different ways at the rim. Like he's worked on jumping off the opposite leg to try to throw off the defender and finish him with the opposite hand. Mm-hmm. You know, different things to to be more creative when you get to the hole. And so the defenders who are coming over trying to block your shot don't exactly know what's coming. Yeah. Um, and also just trying to see the floor and be a playmaker, be a baller. So 
Um, I mean, I'm actually really interested for him and uh, and Christian Bishop. I think um, the the rising sophomore who, I mean, yeah, he's their only big man, the mm-hmm. only scholarship big man, so he's going to get a lot of minutes. Um, him getting a chance to kind of showcase what he's worked on because he's put in, in a lot of work to to get better and, and be a more consistent contributor. So those two who are returnees, while I, I do think it's going to help out the new guys, I think those returnees um, too having that whole summer to sort of experiment and say like, okay, this is what I want to get better at. Let's try all these things and then have the game atmosphere where ultimately it doesn't matter, but right. you're going against a couple of the teams are going against are, are, are legit. Like they could beat Creighton um, in Australia. So you're going against good competition, some pros. Let's see if this actually works mm-hmm. and maybe we gain some confidence and it we can call on it later. That like yeah, that's sort of yeah, the mentality yeah. I would think that those players have. So did you have you looked at the other rosters they're playing? Did you recognize? I haven't anybody? really studied it too hard, but I, I didn't recognize any of the Italian players. Players that right. Nebraska's playing, but I, I didn't. I don't know. I don't know how good Australian pro basketball is. It's decent. Is it, I yeah. figured I think it the was. top flight is decent nationally. I think I feel like they're always pretty mm-hmm. pretty decent. But you know, it's not their season yet, and so how, right. many, how many of those guys are on the team and mm-hmm. around, and it's it's going to be hard to. Judge, I, I think one of the games it should be a blowout for Creighton, but mm-hmm. the other two, I don't know. They could be pretty competitive. So, so. how many days are going to be there? Oh, man, this is a pretty question. quick trip. No, it's it's a long because they're they're spacing it out. Apparently, Australia is huge. Oh yeah, like I've not been. I think it's I think it's um the way I've always viewed it. I think I might be wrong. It's like basically go from Texas to like California, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's I was kind of I, a bigger. I got the lowdown from Jacob Epperson. Oh who, yeah, like, grew up in yeah. Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was. T- I mean, it's like the United. Imagine. The United States a little bit more condensed, mm-hmm. but everyone lives on the coast and inside sure. the the island there's nothing. So you have to f- you, they're flying to three different sites, and you know one of them's a three hour flight, and so they, they they're going to be there for I think they have two or three days in between each game oh, or cool. something like that. So they're there for like ten or twelve days or something, maybe even longer than that. Um, yeah, I think it's like two weeks. So. The basketball really? piece, the basketball wow. piece is good, but then also the other, you know, team bonding thing. It's hard to really quantify that or really describe it. But mm-hmm. um, the way that Coach McDermott kind of explained it to uh, myself and another reporter today after practice was just that, you know, he'll talk to players who went on these trips, or you know, even even the exempt tournaments where they go to. I think Creighton went to the Cayman Islands. Obviously, there's. Maui and and uh, all those trips that you take as a team and you get to do fun things like the players sort of rem- you'll you'll have moments that the players remember and they recall and it matters to create new experiences together that you share a story that so and so did this and I can't believe he did this mm-hmm. this is hilarious mm-hmm. and that's your teammate you're talking about it's not like I mean that kind of stuff matters and and it helps them build a bond that that um, you know will ultimately hopefully in in Coach McDermott's eyes show up on the court yeah so we'll see yeah that's half the reason why i think you do these trips mm-hmm. is so you can what you was what you do after you actually play right because i think it's it's hard to do like i i mean i just always think about like in some ways i always think that football and basketball teams when they go on the road even just getting on a plane together and flying to ann arbor like and you get off the you get off the plane and you got to go eat somewhere and you got to be at the hotel like that's like bonding no matter what because right. you're away from your environment and you have to mold in some way 
So doing it in a totally foreign country, yeah, it's, it's no doubt. It's, it's the benefit. Do you think it's, that's the primary objective for Nebraska? For Nebraska? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that there are going to be times. We, so we found out today that we're not, we can't watch the games. Uh, we had been told. No live stream. No, no live stream. No live stream. Watching stats. Yeah. That's fun. Um, we had been told that Nebraska was working with a company in Italy to try and stream the games. And for whatever reason, that fell through. And so now we will get post-game recaps and hopefully box scores. Um, and like daily radio interviews. They're sending a, a radio guy over there. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll get those in the evenings, I imagine. Um, and... Uh, it's like maybe interviews with Fred. I don't know. I have no clue. Um, so I think the play is sort of important, but I think it's going to be pretty ugly at times because this is a brand, brand, brand new team and not brand new in terms of like, well, we got three more freshmen coming in and we lost four seniors and we got to figure it out. No, like totally like, Everybody basically came to a basketball camp and got thrown on a team. Like, that's brand, like brand, brand new. Like I said, yelling each other's names while they're... Fred has even admitted that... Fred Hoiberg admitted that he's called people the wrong names. And so, uh, he kind of painted us a nice picture that, uh, you know, the, the big benefit of this trip is after these games, um, they'll all go to dinner together. And they'll sit around a table... They'll put their phones away and they'll basically just hash out what just happened and get to know each other and kind of do that whole thing. And I think that's going to be more important than we realize because most of the time after games, you know, during the season, you talk in the locker room, you get your meal, everyone goes their own way. People go out, they go home to study, like it's, 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 everyone goes away. And instead, they're going to go sit around a table, eat a meal, talk. And like talk about what just happened and that's even sometimes more beneficial than the game itself so doing that four times i think is going to be really important um just kind of figuring it out on the fly i mean they they're gonna they're gonna not have two guys who i think some people would maybe slot in starters so cam mack i don't know how much he's gonna play because he just got eligible um to practice but he was also in the hospital with food poisoning so um he hasn't practiced and they're kind of well on their way in terms of implementing stuff and setting up their defense and their offense and all this stuff so they've not seen him play yet so how much do you like it's kind of hard to quantify how much he'll actually play in the games even though he's eligible right right? and then Ivan Drago is playing in Greece right now at the under 18 championships and he's one of Nebraska's two big men and so like he's a guy that's going to play serious minutes and and he's not going to be there so that's why I asked you earlier if it's if you think it's beneficial when you don't have starters there because I think for Nebraska they're going to just and plus, Nebraska is going to have two transfers who cannot play next year: Delano yeah. Banton and Derek Walker, who can play in Italy. Right. So even if they go and they win, because Delano Banton has 15 points and Derek Walker has 15 points, like, does it really? Do you really learn something about yourself? Because those are two guys that aren't playing next right. year. So maybe for like the 2020-2021 right, season. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's like, oh wow, these guys are. Pretty. And yeah. I think Delano Banton's extremely good. Um, but 
I think I think that there are going to be times when when the play is kind of ugly, and so I think if you can take the losses that they'll probably have and turn them into positives of like, hey, so this is what we're talking about in practice, and we didn't do it this in a game, and this is what I'm talking about when I say this, and this is what you know. What did you, Cam? What did you see out there? Or Kevin Cross? What did what did you see out there? Or what did we? What were we doing right? What were we doing wrong? Um, and it was just by happenstance. I actually happened to cover the the press conference that john cook gave in a press conference we met in like their meeting room um before nebraska volleyball went to china and japan and it was interesting because john cook's perspective was we're going over there to win we need to win and it's going to be really hard it's going to be horrible and brutal we're gonna to have to sleep on cots everyone's going to be hot and sweaty and it's going to be terrible but we need to go over there and win this is where yeah. we're at as a program and like the game is what's important and for Nebraska basketball, the games are pretty important, but the the journey is kind of way more important. So it's just an interesting, you know, it's a good thing that they get to go because they get all these practices. They get to kind of start from square one. So that way, when practice starts up again in September, into September, they don't feel like they don't know each other, mm-hmm. that they haven't been on, they've been on campus for a couple months and haven't really met or practiced or whatever. It's kind of nice that they get this early period to do all that. Right. Um, so what is there a guy or two that you're looking at? I mean, we can't watch yeah. these games, but that I'll be peeled for the box scores for. Yeah. Or yeah. it's important for you. Like this guy will benefit from this. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious how Deshaun Burke does. Um, I'm really curious how Gervais Green does. Um, I'm really curious how Samari Curtis does. I'm, I, because I was a guard. Now I wasn't like extremely good. But just because I played the position of guard, I'm generally more interested in. Well, in and those Nebraska guys. has all guards anyway, and so. because they're all guards <laughs> yeah. this year, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so, like, I got a question on Twitter. I, I kind of asked, like, "Hey, what do people want to want to hear about?" And one of the questions was, you know, Cam Mack, Deshaun Burke, Juve Green, like, who's on the bench at the beginning of the year? Mm. Um, and so, I think this is the first time uh, for Deshaun. I'm I'm particularly interested because, and I wrote about this last week. You know, he was recruited to be the next James Palmer and Taran Petaway and Andrew White. Like, he was going to get... He was going to probably average, like, 18 points next year. That was the goal. That was what he, they people wanted him to do. That's why he was recruited in Nebraska. And now, I don't think... I mean, he's not the guy anymore. He's a, he's one of, a, one of many guards. And he's going to have to fight for playing time. He's going to have to fight to... You know, I think he could still potentially be Nebraska's leading scorer next year, but, like, he's got to work for it a little bit more now rather than next year you know if tim miles was here they would have been like hey deshaun shoot it every time you're open do it do whatever you have to do and now they're like hey deshaun you can't do everything you know um i think he's crazy talented and, I, and i'm really curious how how he pans out with gervais green um i'm curious how he fits in to higher level basketball because Junior college basketball is junior college basketball, and I'm not—I don't mean to like diminish it like crazy, but it's just different when you get to the Division One level, yeah. and especially when you're playing like a Lithuanian pro team. Like, how how does he fare then? You know, because I went and watched him in JUCO, and there were times when that people just couldn't keep up with him. Yeah, and that's why he he would score eight points in a row, and it's because everyone was like, "Well, this dude's the fastest guy, and he can jump that." Like, I'm not. So, what happens whenever talent gets better? How does he adjust? Right. Um, and then Smart Curtis. Um, the practice that we were able to watch, I wasn't like over the moon about him, 
there was just some freshman tendencies that I wasn't necessarily in love with, um, which, you know, he's a freshman and we only got to see one practice. But at the same time, I got, there were a lot of, there was a lot of good feedback about him. I mean, when Deshaun Burke and Hanif Cheatham were asked, hey, who's, who's impressed? They said Smart Curtis. Mm. So I'm curious if that shows up there too. Um, I mean, I'm interested in everybody. That's 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 the problem now. Well, because I'm also new. well, yeah, yeah and, and I also so like those three in particular, and then I'm gonna pick two more. Um, Kevin Cross, he's true freshman, came out of nowhere, and he's basically Nebraska's only he's, he's Nebraska's only big man that's gonna play next year. That is gonna be on this trip because Yvonne is gonna be in Greece, right. and Delano Banton plays point guard. He's you're gonna. Love the dude. Once you see him play, he's great. Um, he's like, take Isaiah Roby and then like stretch his arms out a little bit and like stretch his legs out a little bit, like a little less torso, and then give him like a. Kevin Durant has pretty good handles, but not great. So give him like Kevin Durant. Like just he can play point. He's great. Anyway, but Kevin Cross is like the big dude. He's the big guy. Right. And he can move some weight. I mean, he can move people in the lane, and I'm just kind of curious how that, how how he'll be able to keep up because they're going to have to play him, and especially with Yvonne not there. Right. And then I would say Delano, but I guess in general, like who's the leading scorer throughout all four games? Like aggregate all of the four games, who's the leading scorer? Because I think you could make an argument for a lot of different people, and mm-hmm. I think it'll say a lot. I mean, if it's guys who can't play next year or if it's, not a guard or it's not a point guard. I'm just I'm fascinated with what the even if we just get a box score, I'm content with that cuz I'll be able to be like, okay, this right. is interesting cuz they took this many three. Like they don't I don't know how Creighton doesn't take a lot of pull-up jumpers, do they? Do they take do they take 15 footers anymore? They're not advised to, but then again, yeah. they've got guys like Mitch and Tyshawn who are really good at knocking those yeah. down, so it's I've seen them run out of bounds plays for like a baseline jumper. Sure, yeah, okay. Like a 15 footer that Yeah. Uh, analytically, not a good shot, but yeah. for the individual, it's a good shot because yeah. that you know you can hit that at a high rate. So it's a high percentage shot yeah. for that guy for an open jumper. But yeah. you know, if someone's on a on a on tr- in transition doing a pull up jumper, yeah, usually that's not a good. They pulled pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... Tim, Tim Miles advised them not to shoot. He basically he said last year we want dunks, threes, or like something. Basically, he was like, we don't want a fifteen footer. Yep, and. That didn't go well because Isaac Copeland's game was about from 15 feet to 13 feet. I mean, that's he had right. he loved the elbow jumpers, just loved 15 footers. James felt like, and he was correct most of the time. James Palmer could score from pretty much anywhere. That included 15 footers, so he liked to take those. Glenn Watson loved to shoot off the dribble and didn't really care where he was <laughs> if he was 40 feet or like eight. Um, this team has been advised heavily that you are no longer allowed to shoot literally almost anything other than like anything in the lane or threes. Yeah. And they implemented this four point line, which is really genius, I think. And so I'm curious the three point shots. Cause I, from what I think, how, how much they need from their guards and how few big men they have this year, I think it's going to be an astronomical amount of threes that they're going to take. Right. And so I'm curious over 40 minutes or however many minutes they play in these games, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to kind of look at all four games, average them out, average them out with Iowa State uh, teams from, from Hoiberg's years, average them out with uh, Nebraska last year because they took the most threes in school history and just see what it actually looks like. Because I think this season they could shoot like yeah. way, way more. 
I didn't answer your question at all, but I did talk no, for about five minutes. That's that's what this podcast is about. We don't <laughs> answer each other's questions. We just sort of like talk and try to learn and absorb knowledge from one another. I am gonna so this four point line idea. Yeah. Uh, this might sound really dumb, but as a player, does that do you start shooting deeper threes? So like it's of kind it? of messing with them in a little bit. So it definitely like, the idea I get yeah, facing. Okay, yeah, like yeah. we'll start our offense deeper. Yeah, 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 and spread the floor. But if you're standing there and someone passes you the ball and you're like a foot, I don't know how far away from the three point line is it. I mean, it's it's probably three feet off. Yeah. The three so point if you're like line, in between, three or four or, feet. I mean, that's a deep shot. So and, like. So there are two things about this. One, when we asked them, like, what do you think of the four-point line? Uh, Deshaun Burke and Hugh Cheatham, like, laughed. Because they were like, you know, it takes some getting used to. And, and there was a point, there was one, there was one uh, drill they were doing where, so it was like, okay, um, start on one wing, right? Wing on the left, and then, so put a guy there, put a guy a wing on the right, um, and then put a guy in the corner. And so it was basically you swing the ball to the guy to the corner, and then the guy on the the guy who passes the ball to the corner, after he passes, he gets uh, a pass, and he so all three of them shoot mm-hmm. right after yeah. they pass the ball, right. um, except for the corner guy who just catches it and shoots it. And the idea was, I mean, start on the four point line, and when you accept the pass, like step into your shot, and then no matter where you are, if you're you know if you start behind the four point line, when you step into your shot, you're not going to be. 18 feet you're, you're gonna be not on the line yeah it's going to be a three no matter what right, right? but you'll be closer to the line because you're stepping into your jump shot instead of like sure but you're also stepping in your shot from the four-point line rather than like you know one foot off three-point line and potentially being on the line yeah, and all that crap. a foot on the foot right. three-point line which so is bad. Yeah. so there was a point though when you could tell that they were just kind of fading a little bit further and further and further and they were stepping into their shot like into the four-point line and you yeah. were like Right. See, like this is kind of an issue yeah. because, right. like, you don't necessarily want guys shooting from way, way out there if they can't, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it's smart because I think guys are aware of the surroundings enough that in a game they're gonna know, like, okay, I'm way too far out. <laughs> right, right. But at the same time, though, they're gonna be cognizant and they're gonna be used to f- being from that far out anyway. So basically, the idea is if you're coming off the ball screen. Instead of, you know, coming off a ball screen at the top of the key, taking one dribble and taking a 15-footer, you're doing that and you're taking a three. Mm. Or if you come off like a like a dribble handoff and you're right at the top of the key, then it's a three rather than like a 15-footer. So right. it's really smart, but it, you're right. It is going to kind of create this like, man, they're taking shots from way. I mean, like like way out. And Fred oh. and Fred Hoiberg has kind of talked about this where, um. He has noticed it kind of doesn't matter how good of a three-point shooting team teams are, defenses are guarding you closer, no matter what. So like, and this is true to to an extent. Last year, even when Nebraska was not shooting threes very well, they were still pretty high up on you know guarding. And so mm-hmm. basically, the idea is it creates more space and and all this stuff. Right. So he's kind of banking that teams are going to guard him up that high anyway. Um, which, if they do, then that opens a lane right, and all these close different out options. So, so it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm so, so curious I'm, how it's going to happen. I'm so eager to see. So uh, Jordan Sperber, who's like this, he's kind of like a former video guy who now analyzes a lot of stats and tweets some stuff out. Like, 
I can't remember what his Twitter handle is, but you should follow him if you're not. And you're into college basketball and the numbers, follow him because he has really good stuff. But he tweeted out this, like, um, chart of offensive efficiency in ball screens over the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. Like, who ha- which coaches have the, the – which co- coaches use it the most and which coaches are most efficient with it. Mm-hmm. And Hoiberg and McDermott didn't use, a, use ball screens a ton compared to the rest of the coaches that were analyzed, but – they were both really efficient with it. Hmm. And so I'm so curious just to watch both of these guys who, sure, I, I know there are a lot of critics of, uh, for what Greg McDermott has or hasn't accomplished at Creighton during his tenure. Like the Jays have kind of kind of kept running into a wall. Mm-hmm. They've done it a couple times mm-hmm. where they want to get over the hump, but they just haven't. But his offense is really advanced and innovative. Generally the top 15 efficiency in terms of Ken Palm, right? I opposing, mean, opposing coaches praise what they do yeah. on offense and as, particularly in ball screens, they put teams in binds and when you have shooters, that that's a big thing. It's, it's a big reason why it can be so difficult to guard. But to see these coaches sort of like I mean, I kind of already have a general sense of what Creighton's going to be or how they're going to mold their team and, and try to attack offensively. But to see what Fred Hoiberg does, to see what McDermott does yeah. to adjust, like these are two of the the. I mean, it seems kind of Fred Hoiberg was a, an NBA coach, so comparing him to Greg McDermott, like maybe I'm not giving Fred his due fully, but they are two of the more advanced minds in college game yeah. in terms of offense and designing plays and the numbers kind of bear that out. So I'm really curious to see. I'm just, I think it's going to be just fun to watch basketball in the state of yeah, Nebraska. That's seriously. Just... And I'm so curious too, because Fred is, <clears throat> it, it is interesting because he has been thinking about the NBA the last four years. And I've written about this before too, of like, you know, what he did at Iowa state is normal. Now it's normal to have bigs at the, like bigs at the five that also play point. It's normal to shoot a ton of threes. That was kind of abnormal when he, like, that he kind of revolutionized some ways. And now it's normal. Yeah. And so I've always thought, like, okay, well, what, what, how does he adjust? How, what does he more? do now? It's like, uh, so I grew up in Indiana and I went to Purdue. Mm-hmm. Joe Tiller brought, was one of the coaches who brought the spread to the Big Ten. And so when he was doing it and, you know, Drew Brees was running the show. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, "What in the world?" We were supposed. To, we have all these big dudes. Yeah, like, how do we keep to, up? Yeah. And then everyone started running the spread, mm-hmm. and then Purdue was kind of like, eh, kind of went down. And Joe Tiller ended up, you know, he was eventually hit his tenure ran out, and mm-hmm. and he um, had to step step down, and Purdue had to go a different way but now they're back to the spread with Jeff Brom <laughs> that's true with Brom who's another innovative guy but uh so that that's like part of it though yeah the idea that you've got to keep evolving yeah so now there's even like this... when you're already a leader because yeah. everyone's it's a copycat sport everyone's gonna yep. takes plays from everyone else and so that and they see what works and that works so we're all going to do it, and then how do you stay ahead? Yeah, how do you like stay the, one step ahead? This year and the next couple of years, it's like the second wave of Fred Hoiberg. Because if you're if you're a revolutionary mind once, generally you can think you can do it again. Generally, you're smart. Like Nick Saban has transformed the way he does. Basically, he realized like, oh, I wonder what happens if I put a quarterback who can run. What a what a concept! And Alabama is like impossible. Like you know, I mean, other than Clemson, but yeah, like right. you know what I mean. Like forever, he had like AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron was like Elvis Gerbach. He wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious what this second wave is, and he's and he's studying 
the the Rockets and he's studying the Atlanta Hawks and it's like what is I'm so like curious what what what, 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 what does he see like what yeah. is he thinking about and what does he want to do because I just I don't know and I'm it's gonna be really curious and I'm it's too bad we can't watch but it's also not the end of the world right and the I doubt will, that they're gonna you're, they're gonna be diving too deep in their playbook and that's actually they one only thing ten percent of it in yeah that's one thing to note too about this um, for both Creighton and Nebraska when they're on their little foreign tours and you see the stats come back. I mean, especially for the younger guys, the newcomers, who haven't necessarily had this much on their plate before, Hmm. um, right now it's a very low, like you said, 10% of the playbook. Yeah. You know, in October or November, that's when it gets real. That's when you start um, having to remember. Not only are you trying to recall every aspect of your defensive scheme and how you handle each situation, um, and then what plays you want to run on offense, but then you start incorporating a scouting report and you're going to class. And so mentally, how do you juggle all of that? And if mm-hmm. it's just your first time doing it, even for, you know, I think about Creighton just added this grad transfer, Kelvin Jones, like he was at Idaho State. It's a different level of, um, you know, sort of basketball acumen required to play high major ball than uh, at the lower level mm-hmm. of D1. And same for that versus Juco. and. Yeah. And D two and all that. So in high school basketball as a as a as a senior in high school coming to, to be a freshman in in D one, it's there's a lot that's going to be on their plate and how do they handle it? Yeah. I, I, from what I've seen over the last couple of years, just watching some of Creighton's freshmen, a lot of time they start fast and then they hit a wall. Yeah, and then it's like how do you? Well, usually they hit multiple walls, mm-hmm. but that there's usually a, a wall that that they hit at some point in the training camp, the preseason camp. And it depends on the guy. Each guy breaks through at a different at a different time. Yeah. But eventually, you hit a wall, and 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 I feel like that first year for 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 newcomers is always about how do you bounce back from adversity because mm-hmm. you're going to hit it no matter what. And some of it's physical, like oh my gosh, the grind is incredible. I didn't expect this, but I think a lot of it's mental, just having to deal with failure and having to deal with all the things that the coaches are asking you to do because yeah. there's a lot. And and Nebraska has 11 guys. That, that are doing going that. through yeah, that. Right. Like they've got they've got Derek Walker who played at Tennessee and and looks like it. Uh so he kind of gets it. Deshaun Burke from Robert Morris, Delano Banton from Western Kentucky, uh Cam Mack from JUCO, Gervais from JUCO, uh you know, it's just all these guys. And if Cheatham like he played at Marquette, but then he played at Florida Gulf Coast, so he kind of gets it. Um, but it's just a different it's just totally different. Mm. And I don't mean this to really disparage Nebraska fans because I think that they're similar to a lot of different fan bases, but you know, there's this feeling that I get from from fans that's all right, well we got the talent, we got the coach. Cool. Let's do it. Like this is not not hey, this is the year. But like, you know, I sensed that there was some surprise that Fred Hoiberg came out after the first practice and media availability and was like, yeah, like I leave practice pissed off because we're sloppy. Mm. And I was like, what? You got the coach and you got the players. Right, right. This is going to take some time. And that's why I think it's going to be pretty ugly in Italy because got all these new guys and they're all going to, you're right. They hit, you know, different players hit different walls right. at different times too. There right. could be, there could be a guy that comes in that looks really good right now, but in, in a month and a half, whenever, you know, he rolls his ankle, 
or something and he doesn't want to play anymore because it kind of hurts but he he's like physically able to play but he doesn't know it yeah he hasn't exactly because he's it done before. it before yeah. or like he's just tired and he's worn out and doesn't know right. how to recover and he doesn't understand he can't get chipotle every night like it's just there's a lot of things there's a lot of levels to this and so it's going to be curious how they collectively grow and also individually grow and kind of where that's met and you're coming from another perspective and we don't talk about this a ton but you know fred hoiberg was just coaching professionals who are at the highest level of basketball and you go from that to teaching people how to shoot a basketball and and like block out Mm-hmm. and doing shell drills and doing like basic 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 stuff and so i think some of the frustration likely comes from fred was just like not too long ago coaching Derek rose and coaching Dwayne wade and jimmy butler where you don't even be like hey jimmy let's talk about your jump shot for a minute and i don't know if jimmy would listen anyway um he, never, he actually maybe he should have taught that team how to shoot jumpers. Probably, like because especially Rondo. It wasn't his fault, but they didn't get a lot of they didn't have a lot of shooters when <laughs> he was did. there. They probably could use the Cal Corver. Um, but what my point I is, I know what you're saying though. Professional. There, there's a point yeah. where you come down where he's coming down and they're coming up, and there's probably some frustration there a little bit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I think deep down, Fred is Fred knows this is what he wants to do, but it's just gonna. I think that there was a time last year. Actually, I know that there was a time last year when Scott Frost was like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? We're 0-6. Like, why? I didn't want to come here and do this. It sucks. And so, like, there's going to be a point with that. But, like, if, you know, Nebraska goes wins 9 or 10 games this year, Scott's like, oh, of course, this is why I did it. Yeah. So so that's going to be in the future for Nebraska basketball, I think. But it's a grind right now. It's going right. to take some time. It's so interesting to try to project it because this is the time of year when people kind of start a little bit. There's... Mm-hmm. The, because teams are practicing and mm-hmm. it's going to go on foreign tours. You've seen some of the national analysts put out some way too early lists of, you know, here's how I rank the Big Ten teams and mm-hmm. here's how, here's my top 25 and stuff. And, and, uh, um, you hear positive things about Fred Horberg's team, but nobody's really gone out. I haven't seen a national analyst like go out on the limb and say, well, I think it's the top half of the Big Ten team. Yeah, no. Have I you? mean, no, I, yeah. I, I've, the only thing I've seen is someone say that Nebraska is a sleeper pick, which, to do what i don't really know it is and this this is coming from someone who like right after the national title game of any national title game when there's like the way too early top 25 thing i just i combust like i hate it yeah but it is borderline irrational to try and come up with a all right here's the prediction for the season or for Nebraska, who, yeah, for yeah. Nebraska, because I think Creighton has a like. Creighton is okay. You yeah, you could you, probably you could probably guess it. They look like a top thirty, yeah. top forty team. Yeah, I could, I could see Creighton uh, being a top twenty five team for yeah, sure. Depending on health, obviously yeah. they got to keep the big guys healthy. When Nebraska, but. they could win twenty. They could win ten. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> now they're gonna at least win like nine because of their non conference schedule. Oh, yeah. It's like not we did not talk about that. Oops. That's all right. I that, think we did last time, didn't we? Oh, did we? I think okay, we, we, we did, did last time. It's I mean, it's not great, yeah, it's, uh, which right. is on purpose. But anyway, uh, it is interesting because I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of like, what are expectations and what are who are the starting five and who are, and this is like normal things to talk about a year ago for a team that had was established. But when you're completely starting over, I mean, it was kind of like Scott Frost first year. I hate that I bring up football so much, but. Last it's year, kind I didn't, of football season. It's hard not to. It's but I didn't. I mean, like, think about it though. Like, if someone was like, last year, what's the expectation for Scott Frost and Nebraska? I don't know. 
he was just coaching at UCF. And I don't know if his system works in the Big Ten. You just don't really know. And, and with Fred Hoiberg, it's kind of the same thing where it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know who the starting five is. They could, they could have a kid come in that they think is going to start because they really like him. He's got a big attitude problem and he leaves. Mm-hmm. Like that happens in recruiting. Or they could have a guy get hurt. Or they, you know, so right. it's just, it's and, difficult. Right. And, and, and I one think, or two guys in basketball can really. Totally changes. Yeah, totally Look at what Isaac Copeland's injury right. did. Exactly. And I also think too, and this this might be true for Creighton because there's not a lot of people, not a lot of. I mean, they're going to have some guys that aren't aren't there. But I think with these trips, what people want to hear and want to know is when they return from Italy or from Australia, you're like, all right, I have a better idea of what they're going to be and what the record is, and here's what it is. But yeah. do you feel like when Creighton comes back, you're going to be like, all right, I get it, I understand? No, probably not. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to change what I feel today. Yeah, they, like they've practiced ten times now, so what I what my observations have been probably not going to change after three weeks. But yeah. I'm actually kind of I sort of am looking at it to see if I can affirm some of the sure. theories that I have, maybe. Yeah. So like, um, which is probably not the best way to look at it because I might there might be some. The f- some false positives in yeah, there but you yeah. know like i think i think you're right in that it's it's hard to make some sort of declarative statement based on what happens in exhibition games in august mm-hmm. um as much as we would like to right and as, mu- <laughs> and as much as yeah as much as i hate to be the guy that's like well, you know, society but in society today we want to oh know we want to mm. know right okay no. but i'm not i mean like no, i People want to know, like, today, how many games right. are they going to win? I want to know now. Well, what, do, what do I need to expect? Especially Nebraska fans who are like, listen, man, like, I just got my heart torn out and thrown into a bucket of oil. Like, just tell me if I need to care. Tell, just tell me if I need to care. Right. And if that's if that's what you're a Nebraska fan, you're thinking, to, like, you should care because it's the team that you cheer for. But I can't help you yet because I don't know how good they'll right. be. So I think that's that's part of it, and also just because it's it's July, almost August, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like there's nothing going on. Week two of football season, we'll be complaining about Trevor Lawrence playing, you know, only three quarters or something stupid in football, right. and we won't have to you know worry about these things. Um, so I don't think we'll learn much about either team when they when they come back. But at the same time, we'll learn a lot of small things that would make come into play. Right in december we'll do a pod at some point after it and try to recap yeah it for sure we can. Yeah, yeah um so we'll finish like we always always do oh gosh creighton and nebraska <laughs> if they were to play today oh man i mean i don't i haven't seen anything from nebraska so i i, I have like at least you've seen a practice yeah whereas i've i've seen nothing so i have no clue what kind of team it is yeah so i'll, I'll lean with experience and pick creighton but oh, i'm picking creighton even though at this, if they played today, Jacob Everson would be out. Marcus Zagorowski would be out. Oh yeah. The 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 good thing for for the Jays is that Nebraska also doesn't have big, so like <laughs> right, yeah. It's just gonna it'd be, be five five guards. It's or gonna five be five guards. Gu- it'd be a pickup yeah. game. The tallest guy on the floor might be six six. Crane yeah. is six seven guy. Christian Bishop six seven. So there you go. I'm trying to think if they don't. Uh, I'm trying to think how tall uh, Matej Kavasas. I think he's maybe six 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 seven. Um, but he's a shooter, like but perimeter he's a shooter, guy. right? Yeah. yeah, but he's big. He's bigger than I thought he'd mm. be, and he's long. He's got an NBA body. Um, yeah, I think Creighton definitely wins. Um, but uh, I was looking at Gosh, the foot. It'd was, be really fun if they just played like a. Why don't they do a secret slash not secret scrimmage every <laughs> summer? Yeah. Just in the summer, just have the guys accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally. You're like, telling meet me meet up in. 
You saw me Mike Sauer. I can't get that figured right. out. Yeah, what's what's Mike doing? We got to just have him, hey, we're going to do a photo shoot. Just bring your basketball shoes. Where would that we'll, happen, though? It's got to be, like, like, outside somewhere, right? Yeah, like, is there an outdoor court in Gretna or something that we can, like... Or, like, Ashland? Yeah, there we go. Like, an, is there, like, an elementary school in Ashland <laughs> that's go. got, yeah. like, a basketball court out right. outside? We could just have the two teams match up, and they could just go once a month or something like that. At the end fun. of that, but then they might become friends, and like you don't want that, right? We need we need Reds Pirates animosity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. We don't necessarily need. We don't want fights. Yeah, but but boy, wasn't it fun to argue about the word? What was it? Desperate. Yeah, that's right. Oh, good stuff. All right, Chris. Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. Uh, you can jump back on the uh, the football train for a bit, but then yeah. we'll steal you back for some. Sorry if I talk too month. much about. It. I was trying to. I just I hate having to go back and forth in my head with it. So sorry if I brought it up too much. No, okay. that's all good. I did it too. It, <laughs> it can't escape it. We're in Nebraska. This is that's how it is.